Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. It's time to get inside the Giants' home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's roll. Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast, presented by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. Tommy DeVito is preparing for his first career start in Philadelphia on Christmas, a location that hasn't been too kind to Big Blue in recent history, but Tommy knows a thing or two about rivalries and hostile territory, going back to his high school days in New Jersey, where he played for Don Bosco Prep. And we are now joined by the man who served as his offensive coordinator for his junior and senior years of high school. He's a Don Bosco Prep product himself. He then went on to play for Rutgers and in the NFL, none other than former NFL quarterback Mike Teal. Mike, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Hope all is well. Appreciate the time. How's everything on your end? Everything's great. Thanks for having me, Lance. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Excited about uh, the chance to talk a little football and and Tommy DeVito with you today. Absolutely. And same to you. And I want to start with the rivalry, Mike, that I just hinted at, because interestingly, Tommy DeVito spoke with reporters earlier in the week and he was asked, can you remember any place that jumps out to you where the crowd wasn't too kind or that you would label it pretty difficult for the quarterback? And he said, sure. My high school days, if you ever attended a Don Bosco prep Bergen Catholic game, that certainly fits that bill. You can relate to that as both a player and a coach. How much does that perhaps compare to what you think he's going to be thrust into the fire with in Philadelphia come Monday? From a hostility standpoint, it'll be very similar. I think the biggest difference just, you know, between high school and and college and the NFL is just the noise level, right? You're not in a huge stadium in front of 85,000 people. But when you walk onto campus at Bergen Catholic, when you play on the road, you know, as a Don Bosco guy, there's a there's just a a feel and and an aura about being there and they don't like you. You don't like them. Um, You know, very similar to, to what the the giants and Eagles have. I'm sure never, never was able to be a part of that, but you look at it from afar and uh, it's what you play the game. It's why you play the game. Those, those are the rivalries that, that make it fun, whether it's a high school rivalry, a college rivalry, or, you know, in the league, uh, the opportunity to go into someone else's stadium uh, and hopefully find a way to win and then come home with a win after beating a rival on the road. There's nothing better than that. Interestingly, I think Giants fans got a taste of that Don Bosco prep Bergen Catholic rivalry this past weekend when the Giants played the Saints. And I'm going to bring another name up that you're very familiar with, Darren Rizzi, who's the Saints special teams coordinator. 
He was the Rutgers special teams coordinator, Mike, when you played there. So during pregame warmups, he's sporting a Bergen Catholic T-shirt to maybe rub it in a little bit to Tommy DeVito. I'm curious, when you went to Rutgers, how much did you and Darren talk about the rivalry, even amongst yourselves? A bunch, a lot. You know, if you're a Bosco guy or if you're a Bergen guy, there's not much more important in the football world than than that game, right? If you don't win a game all year, but you beat those guys, you can consider it, you know, some sort of a success. So uh, between Darren, uh, there were a couple of teammates of mine down there, a guy by the name of Sam Johnson who played tight end for us. He was a Bergen Catholic guy. At the time, I was the only Bosco guy, and and Bosco kind of had it rolling when I was there. They had won like five state five straight state championships, like two national titles. So, uh, so I, I definitely had some bragging rights, but it's, it's definitely something that you joke about. And, you know, I, I remember with Darren Rizzi, we had a little side bet, you know, the loser had to wear the sweatshirt for the week in, in, you know, in the facility to meetings and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's funny how it carries over and you see the same thing going on in the locker room, you know, in the NFL, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you went into that because fans obviously get very worked up and emotional with some of the things that go on beyond the X's and O's, Mike, as you can attest to. And I know from hearing from a number of Giants fans on our various shows, they, they weren't too fond of what Darren Rizzi did before the game. But how much is that pretty much something that's right out of his character based on what you've been exposed to over the years that you were underneath him as a player and a coach? Anytime a Bergen guy has a chance to take a jab at a Bosco guy, they're going to do it. But the same goes for the Bosco guy. When when Bosco has an opportunity to take a jab at the Bergen at the Bergen guy, they'll do it too. And I've known Darren for a long time. Um, I've known Tommy for a long time, obviously too. And uh, it's it's something that if you're part of that rivalry, uh, you get it and you, you laugh about it now. And it's funny, and I hate to admit this, but some of my best friends in life now are Bergen Catholic grads. So. You know, at some point you kind of get over that hump. And listen, when we play on, you know, that Friday night in Ramsey when Bosco plays Bergen, you know, I'm still rooting for Bosco every single time. But but the Bergen guys are OK. Uh, so it's fun to see that it continues on and, and you're able to, to kind of have fun with it. That's what rivalry is all about, as you hit on right off the top. Not that the Giants and Eagles may have fun with one another once, obviously, they get on the field on Christmas. So let's jump into your experience with Tommy DeVito. You're an assistant coach at Rutgers for the 2014-15 season. You then head back to your other alma mater, Don Bosco Prep, in 2015. Tommy's a rising senior. What were your first impressions, Mike, of Tommy DeVito when you took over as an offensive coordinator and you started to map out what you were hoping to accomplish on that side of the ball? Yeah, so it was interesting. I didn't really know much about Tommy. He hadn't played much before I got up there. Um, I just had heard through some of the assistants that were on the staff that there was a young quarterback who was really talented, um, could throw it really well. He played a little bit at the end of his sophomore year, so I was able to watch a little bit of game film on him and you know get a little bit of a feel for him. But when he sat down, you know, the first conversation I had with him was about kind of the, the people that I've been around, you know, guys in the NFL, like Greg Knapp, who is one of the best quarterback guys, you know, may rest in peace that I've ever been around. Um, you know, uh, a guy like Mike Martz in Chicago, uh, Billy O'Brien in, in New England, um, you know, just talking to Tommy and, and kind of going through my experiences and the people that I've been able to uh, be exposed to and learn from um, and, and listen to him talk about how he wants to be, 
you know, a, a division one quarterback, how he wants to, you know, be the leader of the team, you know, all those things as a young high school kid. I, I just thought he was extremely impressive very early on before we even got on the field. The physical stuff was was obviously there and, and you know, he wouldn't have played in college and, and be where he is now without that. But the mental part, I, I thought, was extremely impressive for for being such a young kid. I want to expand on the mental part because from what I understand, Mike, you ran as close to a pro-style offense as I think you're going to find in high school. And that pretty much benefited Tommy in the long run based on what he followed through in his path. Why were you so confident that he could run what you were perhaps exposed to on the college and NFL levels? Well, I think a, a coach, Ralph Regent, was at Rutgers the year I was there. He was the offensive coordinator. And he taught me about teaching the quarterback and and giving them as much as they were able to handle. So I figured with Tommy, we were putting in a brand new system. So there was going to be a learning curve, but how fast or how much would he be able to retain? And then how much would we be able to actually do on a Friday night or Saturday afternoon? Um, and, and that was kind of through the summertime and through training camp. Uh, you install the base stuff and then you start to really kind of, you know, press it a little bit and you start to throw a lot at him and you know, he's not going to handle it all and you don't want him to handle it all, but you want to see how he reacts and you want to see if he makes a mistake on one concept or one play call and then doesn't make that same mistake again. And I think that was the thing with Tommy. He made plenty of mistakes, but everyone's supposed to make mistakes. He didn't make the same mistake twice very often, if at all. And I think especially as a quarterback and, and you saw it as, you know, he came off the bench with the Giants. Backups don't get any reps in the league. Like, that's just the way it is. So you've got to be able to mentally kind of draw it up in your mind and then try to go out and physically emulate it and, and do it. And, you know, he did fairly well for not getting any reps. And then he started to get some reps and started to be the starter. And you've seen he's gotten better every single time he's been out there, which is kind of what happened every single day of his junior and senior year. He got better every time he went out on the field. I think that's really what separated him from a lot of guys. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? The Huddle is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. From game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giants fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Mike, I think you bring up a very interesting point, and I want to tie in the two because as a former NFL quarterback, what you just hit on, it's all mental reps when you're second and third string on the depth chart. How big is this opportunity for him, what he's been thrust in? Not that you ever wish that teammates get hurt, but it did take Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor to go down for him to be thrown into it. And what do you think the Giants are looking at right now as they evaluate him for not just about 2023, but what perhaps his role could be beyond this. I think the NFL is all about opportunity, right? If, if you're able to get to the league, whether you're on a practice squad, whether you're in a mini camp or a training camp, you're, you're talented. You know, there's so much that goes into that with being in the right place at the right time, having an opportunity to develop. And I think for Tommy, uh, you know, you look at just the story. I've read so, some different articles where he might have had other opportunities to go to some different places as a free agent, you know, either before training camp or, you know, after after training camp. And he and he chose to st stick with, with the Giants because of the situation, because of the coaching staff, you know, and a guy like him, as he continues to get reps. 
you know, the opportunity for him is, you know, listen, we know Daniel Jones signed a huge contract and then he's been the starter and he'll probably be the starter, you know, going forward. But what Tommy, I think, is really doing for himself is he's extending his career, whether it's a backup, you know, a backup with the Giants or an opportunity to go be a starter somewhere else. The NFL and, and offensive coaches and GMs and head coaches want quarterbacks that can go in and, and execute and run a system when they need someone to go and do it. Right. The, the backup is the the least known guy on the field until he's the guy that's in there making plays. And it goes one of two ways. Either you crash and burn or, or you have some success and you're able to get some momentum going. And for Tommy, I think he's able he's been able to have some success. He's been able to do some stuff and he's gotten better week after week as a young player, which I'm sure the coaching staff is you know excited about, you know, for him. And I think, you know, that should be exciting for for fans of Tommy and, you know, Tommy himself, because he's gotten better and he's he's taking advantage of the opportunity that he's got right now. And who knows where that leaves him, you know, in, in the next you know year, two years, three years from now. But he's extended his career because he's shown he's been able to play. Mike, speaking of that game of chess, you look at what he helped the Giants do during the three game winning streak, specifically against the Packers and utilized his legs. And that was something that we had not seen volume wise when he ran for 71 yards, didn't take as many sacks. And then the Saints game may have not gone as smoothly, but hey, that's life in the NFL, as you can attest to. I guess what I'm getting at is how much is the coaching staff being able to dig into the film and saying, OK, he had success against Green Bay. New Orleans throws him different things and they can evaluate how that game of chess is playing out on an individual basis as opposed to just within the confines of the team here. I think that's the challenge as, as a coaching staff that they're, that they're working through. Cause there's a lot of moving pieces in the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, part of it is every time Tommy DeVito gets under center, he's seeing something at some point, you know, within a series, I guarantee it's within a series that he's never seen before. Um, that wasn't on tape that, you know, he doesn't have that longstanding mental rep to, you know, just know, all right, that's that's this coverage or that's a version of this coverage. He's figuring it out for the first time. So as an offensive staff, you're trying to you're trying to scheme things up as well as you can to to kind of make sure that his first, second progressions are there. And then if not, you can get him to check the ball down or get on the move. What I think they did a great job with him in the Packers game, to your point, is they got him running a little bit, right? If, if you can create space and you can create just a little bit of a, of a delay in, in the defensive ends and the pass rushers in the NFL, you know, whether it's run or pass, it, it's going to help you. And I think they had a lot of success because of that. Um, you know, then you go to to New Orleans and right, you're playing down there on the road and, and a defense that starts to kind of figure it out a little bit. But like you said, it's it's part of being in the NFL. But for him, again, seeing things, the more he see things, the better he's going to be. And then as a coaching staff, you're trying to, you know, draw stuff up that that he's comfortable with, that he does well, because, you know, every quarterback on that roster does something different and does something better than the other. So as a coach, your your job is to make sure you're trying to give your whoever's out there the best chance to win. And I think they've done a pretty good job of that so far. You were drafted in 2009 by the Seahawks after a very successful run at Rutgers. For our viewers and our listeners, Mike, to understand, given Tommy wasn't drafted, Tommy wasn't a big-time quarterback coming into this year's cluster of players at that position in the NFL. What is the type of jump that he's made in this small period of time, considering, as you mentioned, he was the third-string quarterback for the majority of the year, and if you ask the Giants in an ideal world, 
They didn't wish that Daniel Jones went down. They just invested a large sum of money in him. They wanted to continue to see him evaluate. So just to try to wrap your head around what has happened and transpired so quickly in a short period of time. Yeah, I, I really don't think people on the outside understand the jumps that Tommy has taken in such a short time because the last time he probably got meaningful reps was the last preseason game, you know, back in August. And you go, you know, three and a half months. And again, listen, it's your job, right, as an NFL football player to be ready when your opportunity comes. So I'm sure he's going through the practice script after practice with another practice squad receiver or with some of the other receivers that are looking for more work. And and he's throwing the concepts and, and doing all that. But you, you can't simulate actually being the guy and getting the reps. And I think the jump that he's made week after week is just shown that I think two things, one, that, that he's obviously got the physical talent and, and the mental capacity to be able to process and then go out and play. Cause he's starting to play faster. He's not taking as many sacks like he did, you know, the first time he played, I think it was against uh, Washington, you know, there, there were seven, eight, nine, whatever, however many sacks. And there were really only two or three that, that should have been sacks. He was just standing back there holding the ball. He wasn't able to process it. You fast forward three weeks and he's getting through progressions. He's getting on the move. He's not taking those sacks. Uh, I think as a staff that that's what you're evaluating. And that's where you're saying, you know, we've got a guy that if he goes out there, we know he's going to be able to run the operation. He's not going to make dumb throws or dumb mistakes and lose us the game. He's going to give us an opportunity, you know, to have a chance to win the game at some point, which that's what you want, you know, in any player on your roster. We're talking with former NFL quarterback Mike Teal here on the Giants Huddle podcast as he was the offensive coordinator at Don Bosco Prep during Tommy DeVito's junior and senior years. I want to bring your NFL experience back into the conversation here, Mike, because when you were a rookie, you had Matt Hasselbeck in the quarterback room. That's a nice veteran to be around. He was in the league at that point for well over a decade. Daniel doesn't have nearly as much experience, but Tyrod Taylor, I think you could compare to Matt Hasselbeck. What does that do? for a player like Tommy DeVito related to what Matt's presence did for somebody like you when I'm assuming you're coming in, you want to be a sponge, you want to sit back, observe, and now that Tommy is thrust into the starting role, how much he can lean on fellow quarterbacks in addition to the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, when when you have experience like that in, in a room, you take advantage of it, no doubt. And, and you don't necessarily need to ask a thousand questions. You just pay attention to how they take notes, how they watch film, what they do to prepare themselves to get ready. Listen, there's a reason Tyrod's been in the league for as long as he's been, right? And we all know he's super talented, but you've got to be more than talented at the quarterback position to stay around and, and be a starter and and continue to, to have a career. So I, I think for Tommy, I'm sure, and he's, he's said it before, I'm sure he's taking advantage of uh, of watching what being a professional quarterback looks like, you know, in, in both Tyrod and Daniel. Um, but I'm sure there's times where uh, he's getting insight from Tyrod that he wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And sometimes coaches don't have because they they can draw it up and they can put together really good schemes and they'll develop guys. But, you know, unless you're out there and you're in that fire, you know, as a play clock's running down, you're trying to get checks, trying to get the ball snapped, all those things, you know, it, it just starts to pick up. And you have an experienced guy like that. You can ask questions too. You can watch how he goes about it. You can see how his relationships are in a locker room. All, all that stuff you're going to learn from. That's what I tried to do when I was around Matt. I, I just, I, I didn't ask a lot of questions, but I watched everything that he did. 
I watched how he took notes on third down day. I watched how he took notes when we were installing red zone packages or watching film, whatever it was. And, and you learn stuff and you pick up stuff and then you start to, you know, take what they've done, you know, Matt learned from Brett Favre. So I'm sure what Matt learned from Brett, he kind of made it his own and then it was, it worked for him. And then I tried to take stuff that I learned from Matt and make it work for me. And I'm sure Tommy's doing the same thing right now. So, you know, having guys like that in the room, it's invaluable. And, and I really think, especially, you know, as a, as a teammate, whoever's out there, especially a quarterback, you, you want to be the guy, but when you're not, you want to be the best teammate that you can to help the team succeed. And that's what your role is. And I'm sure that's how Tyrod's been with Tommy throughout this process. And I think you just hit on some other interesting points that I want to piggyback off of, because I don't think we talk much about in the NFL, Mike, the dynamics of a position room, because normally you have a specific depth chart and you're hoping that the starters can make it through the majority of the season. But the quarterback room seems to be very unique because only one quarterback is on the field on any given play and for the majority of the season, unlike others. And as you mentioned, everybody wants to get on the field. I mean, that's the competition that you want to feel out of every player in the NFL. If you don't want to get it on the field, you probably don't belong in this league. What I'm getting at is how important are the dynamics in the quarterback room and how do you navigate trying to help a teammate, but at the same time also wanting to show the coaching staff a little bit of something, whether it be through a mental rep, a conversation, you name it. How do you go about mapping that out? Yeah, I mean, I think you you evaluate as a, as a staff, you evaluate quarterbacks probably a little bit differently than you do other players, because, again, to your point, only one guy's out there playing. So what are the intangibles that are that are being brought to the table? Um, what's the the professionalism like? You know, are they the you know, everyone talks about the quarterback, the first guy in the building, the last guy out? Are there are there guys are they guys that really want to grind and watch tape and you know, really have themselves prepared. I personally think not only is a starter, the starting quarterback in the NFL, the hardest position in sports, the backup quarterback might be even more difficult than that because, you know, like we, we were speaking about a couple minutes ago, you don't get any reps, you get mental reps. So you're, you're doing all your preparation in the film room um, or on the sideline or after practice. So, you know, I think as, as a quarterback in the room, you know, and the reason why you're on the roster or on the team is you have some sort of intangible or you, you're some sort of an asset to the organization, you know, and, and for guys as as depth charts kind of play out and, and rosters kind of are set and made, you kind of understand what, what the intangible is or, or what your responsibility is. And I, I think as a professional, you know, whether it was Tyrod as a starter or Tommy as a starter or Daniel Jones as a starter, the other guys in that room, their responsibility to the team and the reason why they still have jobs is because they're going to help the guys in that room prepare and go out and win games. So if, if you win as a team, whether you're the starter or not in the league, good things happen to the team, good things happen to the organization. And I think that shows, uh, you know, a, a camaraderie and, and, a, and a really like a it's not even a, a being a teammate. It's being, you know, to your point in that quarterback room and being part of this position group that succeeds, because when one guy succeeds, you all succeed, especially in that position group. The other thing that's interesting about the dynamics with Tommy DeVito that I think you can relate to somewhat, Mike, is you're both New Jersey natives and you both were thrust into opportunities in your own backyard with you playing at the high school level, then at Rutgers and him now playing on the NFL level. I'm not saying they're identical, but it's not easy, I would assume. When you're trying to balance focusing on football, you got family and friends right in the vicinity, they want to try to maximize your success. They want to be present. 
What's that like? And what do you think Tommy is dealing with from that standpoint? It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And it's not comparable to my experience at all because in college, especially back when I was in school, there, there wasn't this social media. There wasn't this expectation of being present all the time and, and doing things all the time. You know, when I would go to the mall or go out to dinner, like people would recognize you, but that was kind of it. Now you're under a microscope all the time. And your your job is, you know, Tommy's job as a quarterback is to is to prepare the best that he can and is to go out and play. But then there's also another component being in New York, being in this media market that the off the field component, especially as a quarterback, is almost as big as, you know, being successful on the field. So, you know, people wanting tickets and people wanting to come to the tailgate in the game and then wanting to do, you know, autograph session here or there. I think it's really important to surround your yourself with the right people um you know family first and and then your your close friends and then you know the people that represent you whether it's you know on the agent side or the marketing side uh you know i i just read an article that tom that tommy you know hired a, a marketing company to handle some of the stuff off the field which i think is extremely important uh, and smart um i actually know the guys who he hired which uh i i think they're top of the line they're as good as you're going to get um, for what he's looking for. So making sure you're able to delegate certain uh, certain tasks and certain things that need to be be handled off the field so so Tommy can focus on winning football games. But at the same time, it is a business and you want to take advantage of the opportunity that's been being present. And I think that's probably why he made the decision to uh, to hire a, a team on the outside and let them handle all of the you know off the field opportunities. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens. So go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? And these windows are very short-lived in the NFL, as you can attest to in terms of you don't know how long you're going to be in that position, how long you're going to have to market off of these things. So it's pretty understandable based on his moves how surprised are you, Mike, though, that he's sort of taken the city and the local area by storm based on what's happened in a relatively small period of time? You know, I, I think people around here and, and I experienced this, so I can relate to this part being in college and, and being playing high school football up here. People people love to get behind something that's that's new and something that, you know, at the end of the day is winning. Right. And. Tommy's been able to win a couple of games and, and there's been a lot of giant fans that, you know, are probably, uh, you know, a little disappointed with the way the season's gone with injuries and stuff like that. And, and it kind of gives them a little bit of hope and a little bit of a, you know, a freshness and the, the thought that, you know, the giants aren't, you know, what their record might necessarily, you know, have been a couple of weeks ago. You know, sometimes it's just a little bit of bad luck. You lose a bunch of guys early on in the season and, you know, it makes it hard to to recover. But I think if, if you look at it in New Jersey, in New York, people want to put themselves around people that are winning. And Tommy, you know, I think the biggest thing as a quarterback, you get judged whether you win or lose. And Tommy's been able to win some games and people want to be a part of that. And then you get into the whole Italian-American you know, thing, which I'm, I'm not Italian. So I, I, I never got that support from, from that community, but uh, I think that's been, you know, almost overplayed a little bit, but people love it and people want to be around them. And when you're a good kid and, and you're playing good football. And I think the thing with Tommy, when you watch him play on Sundays, you can see that he cares and he loves the game. He loves his teammates. 
Uh, I think people respect that. And I think people want to be associated with that, especially around here. And there's nothing like blue collar, hardworking people uh, that get up every day and go to work. And I think people can kind of relate to Tommy in that sense. Giants fans love a winner. It's why they love citizens named a 2022 best bank in the U.S. by the banker as the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the huddle. Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. You just tapped in. Mike to his personality. And you know this from playing quarterback. It can't get too high. You can't get too low. He seems very even keel despite everything that's been thrown at him. I'm curious how much you saw that on the high school level and how much this is within his character based on what he showcased in the level since. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things that kind of stood out as you got into competitive situations was just the ability to to kind of stay in the moment and not worry about the outcome, good, bad, indifferent. Um, and I think as a quarterback, that's extremely important because there's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows. When you win, you get too much credit. When you lose, you get too much blame. Um, so, so being able to just focus on the task at hand, I think even back when he was a high school player, uh, that was extremely evident that he was able to just play that play, not worry about the play before, not think about the play that was coming up. Um, and I think as a, being a former quarterback, you kind of get yourself caught up in that a lot. And I remember as a player where you know, I'd make a bad throw or a good throw and then had to go make another throw on the next play. And you start thinking about either the good one or the bad one from the previous. Uh, and, and for him, I don't know if that's ever really been an issue. I, I think part of it, too, as I was speaking with someone last week, you know, his his experience through through high school was great. His experience in college, there was there was some adversity there. It was a little up and down. I think all that that he went through and all the, the experiences that he had to deal with has been able to prepare him for this level. And I think he's done a great job in handling everything both on and off the field up to this point. Especially his redshirt senior year where he lost his starting job at Syracuse, handled that, moved on to Illinois. I think those are examples that relate to what you're talking about. Was there a moment, Mike, where you saw either in high school or college and said, if Tommy wants to take this to the NFL level, he at least has the potential to get onto a roster and hang around. Was there anything specific, maybe an it moment or a gotcha moment where everything seemed to click in your mind? Yeah, I mean, when, when I was around him as a coach, you're a high school kid, right? So there, there's so many things that have to happen between high school and, and, you know, having an opportunity to go to the NFL. But when you, when you watch him work out and you watch him throw, you knew he was talented enough to be a big time college quarterback. And then from there where your college career takes you, you never know. And, you know, you got to get some things that go your way and, and the ball's got to bounce your way a little bit. But his junior year, we went out to Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas and they were the number one team in the country at the time. We were, we were ranked like in the top 25 or something like that, but you know, they, they were defending national champions in high school football. And we went out there and we ended up losing the game, but we lost, uh, I don't, I forget what it was, by seven or 10 points. It was back and forth for a while. And uh, right after halftime, we're down, we're down like 10 at half. And we get the ball to start the second half and we're going through some adjustments and we're looking at, you know, the call sheet and some plays. And, and we had put this one play in, brand new concept that we've never run, put it in just because of a, a look that Bishop Gorman had, had shown on film. Uh, and they were showing that look in the first half with some of the formations that we ran. So I, I said to him, say, hey, remember this? Remember that look? Blah, blah. He's like, yeah, the safety's there. We want to throw the ball here and, you know, so on and so forth, whatever the concept play was. 
And we went out, like it was like the third, third or fourth play of that series, ran that play, got the look we were looking for. He made the throw and it was a touchdown. Uh, that that type of stuff for a high school kid, that doesn't happen a lot. Like, I don't think people really realize, you know, how much goes into that, being able to see it on the film, practice it during the week, and then, you know, identify it during the game, get in the right play and make the throw and, and score a touchdown. So when, when he did that, I said, you know what, this kid's got a shot to, to be a really good quarterback at the next level. And then from where, where that takes you, you know, who, who knows? But he was definitely uh, an elite quarterback at the high school level, which, you know, is why he was a, a big-time recruit and the Elite 11 prospect and everything else. Mike, how much in high school did you give him the flexibility to make changes at the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure is not necessarily something that – every coach affords their quarterback. You maybe see that on the college or the NFL level, but from a mental standpoint, how much freedom did you give him? Uh, we, we did a lot. I put a lot on his plate. And, and again, part of going through training camp and, and putting stuff on him to see how he would be able to handle it and see how he would, at, would react was, was all part of that process. So we ran a, a traditional and see even probably less an NFL system now because the NFL has obviously evolved to, to the game and they're a little more in the gun and doing zone read and stuff like that. We, we were a true tight end fullback 21, 11, you know, 12 personnel team under center play action pass. So we would call two plays in the huddle. So we, we used a, a check with me system, a check or kill system. So you hear guys, you know, say alert, alert or kill, kill or can, can. And you have a, a weak side run play and a strong side run play. You'd have a, a weak side run play and a, and a pass play. And it was based on certain looks. It was either a box count in the run. If it was a three-man box week, you wanted to run the ball week. If there was four guys there, you would alert it and you would run it to the strong side. In the pass game, if you got a single high look, you know, you would want to throw the football. If it was a too high look, you'd want to run the ball. So we gave him all that stuff and, and asked him to, you know, execute it and, and be able to operate at the line of scrimmage. And and he did it. You know, it didn't happen at first. Right. It took some time to learn and, and develop and, and get reps at it. But he was able to do it as a high school kid, which, you know, again, I just think goes to the football IQ and the ability to process things and the ability to, to take something from the film room you know, off the field and then be able to implement it on the field. Uh, and really, that was the, that was the reason for us, our success that year. And you won a state title as a junior. It's kind of wild how you won it at MetLife Stadium, Mike. And now all of a sudden, a few years later, he calls that his backyard. It's crazy how life works. Yeah, full circle, isn't it? 100%. Before I let you go, in terms of what Tommy has been able to accomplish and the path that he's taken – you know, having somebody like yourself to speak to, who's a former NFL quarterback who had success, Mike, how much have you kept in contact with him over the years? And how much do you try to give him some guidance even to this day if it calls for it? I think minimal. I think there's so many people that are around them um, between family and coaches. You know, just again, from my experience, the people that you really want to surround yourself with are the 53 guys on the roster and the coaches in the building. Th those are the guys that are going to get stuff done for you. And those are the guys that you go to war with every Sunday. Um, but I, I've I've sent them text messages and, you know, we've kind of exchanged texts back and forth. I, I get how much pressure he's under and, and how many people are coming, you know, out of the woodwork and he's got a new aunt and a new uncle and, 
you know, all of a sudden he's got 300 family members. Uh, you know, so I get all that. I had a big family and I dealt with it too. So, you know, he knows that I'm always here to be a resource. And, and if he ever needs anything, you know, he'll always be able to pick up the phone and give me a call. Um, I'm just happy for the success that he's had. And, you know, the fact that we've been able to text back and forth a little bit and, uh, and just really say, you know, Hey, great, great way to finish the Packers game or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so it, it's just cool to see. And, you know, and the coach, you know, put the coaching hat on. It's so awesome to see a former player that you got to coach develop and succeed and now have a chance, like to your point, you know, really in, in our own backyard um, to go and, and play for one of the most historic franchises in the history of the NFL um, while while you're 10 minutes from the stadium, you know, from where you grew up. It's pretty cool. It's really pretty cool. 100% a very rare feat. Mike, as a quick follow-up on the topic of pleasant surprises, if I read this correctly, you had Tommy work out with Victor Cruz, I believe, when he was in high school. And Victor is another one of those pleasant surprises that took advantage of his opportunity with the Giants. I'm just curious how that came about and what Tommy got out of that workout in high school. Yeah, so Vic and I, uh, we're the same age. He went to Patterson Catholic. I went to Don Bosco. So I've known Vic since high school. And um and we never really worked out until the year of the lockout in the NFL back in like 2011, 12, whenever that was. And then we started to work out a bunch together and became good friends. Um, and then I ended up finishing up playing. He obviously continued on to play. And I went into coaching and he had, I guess he was coming off an injury. He was rehabbing and he was trying to get back into football shape. So his trainer, who I also worked out with at a bunch, had reached out to me one Sunday during high school football season. And you know, high school coaches, just as much as as college or NFL coaches, they work all weekend, you know, preparing for the next week uh, and, and putting game plan together and stuff like that. So his his trainer reached out to me, and said, hey, can you throw for Vic? He needs he needs a quarterback to throw. I said, I, I can't. But the kid I've got now that's our quarterback, he can he can throw like he's good enough to go throw for Vic. So. You know, as long as you're all right with that, I'll, I'll reach out to him and tell him to, you know, go meet you guys and, you know, you can go throw. And long story short, I think they went over to William Patterson University and uh, and they threw for a couple hours. And Vic texts me after. He's like, that boy can throw, huh? I said, I told you I wouldn't send you a kid that, that couldn't. Uh, so it was cool. I'm sure it was a really great experience for Tommy, um, you know, a chance to work with an NFL receiver. And then, you know, Vic is, is another story uh, that that's pretty, pretty damn cool being a, a local kid and having the career and success that he's had. And who would have known that you'd have a pair of former Giants or one future Giant and one past Giant working in conjunction with one another at that point to be a fly on the fence of the stadium or the field that they were working on at that point. Quite a wild scene as he is Mike Teal, former NFL quarterback. He was Tommy DeVito's offensive coordinator at Don Bosco Prep. He played at Don Bosco, went on to play at Rutgers before a brief stint in the NFL. Mike, can't thank you enough. Really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate all the time and the insight that you provided and very much look forward to talking down the road. Absolutely. It was a great time. I enjoyed it. This is the latest edition of the Giants Auto Podcast. It is presented by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. You can check it out on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platform. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.